Gary Ka is our very special guest today. He is the former Europe and Middle East trade specialist with the Indiana government. Uh, has a long biography. He is the author of numerous books bringing a biblical perspective to world events. Gary, I want to welcome you to the Bill and Allison show today. Yeah, well, welcome, Gary. Hey, it's great to be with both of you. It's been a while, and uh, it's always a joy to be able to share with you. Well, thank you. We've got a lot to cover. I think the first thing that uh, on, on a lot of people's minds is what in the world happened uh, <laughs> on Election Day in the midterms? Well, you know, there, there have been at least five or six different reasons given why uh, conservatives didn't fare better. Um, and I think most people are familiar with those. But, but something that really hasn't been brought up that I've seen that we've been kind of drumming home for the last 10 years or so in, in some of our publications is, is the fact that socialists have been gaining about 1% a year. And so it's getting more and more difficult in most states, not all, but in most states for genuine conservatives to win. Um, and the reason for that shift is the young people coming out of our universities are right at 70% ultra-liberal and coming out of some schools over 80%. So you're looking at, at at least two-thirds, if not three-fourths of them. And they're also voting uh, at a higher percent than they were 20 years ago in, in a lot of cases. They've been activated, so to speak. They've become activists more than they were in, in, in the past. And while this is going on, our elderly population, which has been uh, more conservative, at least 60, 65 percent uh, more conservative, they're dying off. Now, uh, some of the college students, as they age a little bit and have children and grow families and start their own businesses, some of them move back a little bit toward becoming more conservative, but uh, still with more of a liberal bent. So when, you, when this all shakes out and, and you, you uh, uh, crunch the numbers, it comes out to about a 1% gain per year for socialists. So I, I was telling people, I remember seven or eight years ago, I said in the next election cycle or the one after that, um, it's just going to be really difficult. Everything has to go just right uh, for conservatives to win. Now, what happened in Florida was, number one, DeSantis is a, he, he's a strong, uh, logical leader. It makes sense. He explains his positions well. And Florida prospered when other states were really hurting through COVID. So that was part of it. But along with that, uh, the results were augmented by the fact that many left New Jersey, uh, New York, Massachusetts, and other liberal states uh, and moved to Florida. Conservatives, they just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, several of our friends did just that. One of our very good friends moved to the Fort Lauderdale area from New Jersey. They, they just couldn't take it anymore. And so uh, when you have a few hundred thousand people moving down there in the last few years, uh, many of them, most of them conservative, that helped as well. So what you had there was every single county in Florida uh, being carried by DeSantis, which if you would have told me that five years ago, I, I would have been hard-pressed to believe that that could happen, but it has. And so, I mean, it, it can happen, but, but it takes strong leadership and everything going just right, in, in, a, in a certain environment for conservatives to be able to win in some states, um, in, in, in places like um, 
California, New York, Oregon, Washington. Uh, you've got conservative counties, but they're mostly the rural counties. So if you look at a map, the U.S. looks pretty red. Um, but the problem is the big cities. There are about 20, 25 big cities in the U.S. that kind of set the tempo for the rest of the country. And whatever way they go, and they recognize their power. The mayors of those cities get together on a regular basis and do some planning, and they stick together. So whether it's Chicago or San Francisco or New York, it's pretty much the same in all those big cities, and they're flexing their muscles. And, and that's the problem. So in, a, in some states, people are being held hostage, practically, by the mayors of these big cities. Uh, uh, we have a son who lives in Illinois. Well, good luck. You know, Illinois is mostly conservative, the counties. Uh, but Chicago... Uh, that area that's got, what, six to eight million people living there uh, goes heavy Democrat, and so the rest of the state, no matter how, you know, how much of a percent they vote uh, conservative by, it keeps going to the, to the liberals. It keeps going further and further to the left. So anyway, th those are some of my, my thoughts. And, and so unless some of these big cities can be turned around, and I don't see that happening unless people get so fed up with the crime and everything else, but you look at Chicago, you know, and, and it's still liberal and voted liberal despite everything happening there. Uh, so we're in a whole different generation, a whole different mindset of, of, of especially young people um, having really become socialists through their college experience and, and they're out there now and, and they're uh, pushing that agenda. We were at a luncheon a couple of year, few years ago. Yeah. And uh, sat with a state senator who had just finished running for governor, uh, Republican. He carried, I believe it was every county or almost every every county in Illinois. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was every county. Every county in Illinois, except, except for Cook County, except Cook County, and which he is lost. Chicago, and he lost. And, and he lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I know. That, that, that was an eye yeah. opener. For, eye opener for for me. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't realize that sort of thing was going on. Yeah, I, I think the big city mayors in, in some cases have more power and influence than the governors of the states that they're in uh, because of the population that lives within their, their limits. Sure. And, and if they vote one way, you know, you can forget it, and, that, and that's a tragedy. But, and that's why uh, Oregon, for example, I think something like nine counties in Oregon really want to become part of Idaho and not be part of Oregon anymore. Because, you know, Portland has, half, has, I think, over half the population of the whole state and is very liberal. And, and so um, that's the case in other states, too. Having said that, I, I think the way this is all going to unfold, this trending towards socialism, I think certain of the conservative states like Texas, Florida, Alabama, South Dakota, some other states, I think the point in time is going to come where they're going to draw the line in the sand. It's already beginning to happen. They're, they're saying the federal government is not going to step in and, and do what they're supposed to do for national security by guarding our border and, and you know, uh, coming through in other areas where they haven't been. Then we're going to have to take matters into our own hands. And eventually that's going to cause more and more contention between the federal government and that particular state or states. And so at what point does it get uh, to where those states say, okay, we're done. Uh, we're pulling back. We're not part of this anymore. Um, uh, and, and, and how far would it have to go before the feds come in uh, militarily and try to stop it? Or would they? So those are some of the unanswered questions, but that's the kind of territory
territory we're in now where, where these are legitimate questions to ask and, and we're heading in that direction. Um, if it came down to an actual fight, I mean, major civil unrest to the point of almost a civil war, which some people now, even in the uh, media, even on, on Fox, it's, it's been brought up a couple of times that things could get to that point. Uh, if it does, uh, it would be a sad day for America because our foreign enemies, I've always thought they would attack us when we're at our weakest moment, and we probably would be at our weakest moment at that time. So it, it's difficult to see a way out of this that will end well for our country, politically speaking. And that's one reason we've been focusing more and more on uh, on the spiritual side of things and individuals as a whole, because unless individuals change and, and embrace the truth of, of, of Christ and their uh, and the religious foundation, uh, and, and go back to our Judeo-Christian roots. Uh, we're building on a faulty foundation, and things are just going to keep getting worse. I want to go back to for a moment, and you talked a little bit about the younger people, younger generation coming out of school and being uh, so radicalized. That's because of the professors, of course, at at these colleges universities. How did things change from years ago? Where, why, how did the left take over the, these institutions? Well, you're exactly right. Um, in the last presidential election, as I recall, it was either 92 or 93 percent of the college professors that were surveyed uh, voted Democrat. Uh, so there, there's, I mean, a, a marked imbalance. Uh, and, and I can't understand why parents keep sending their kids uh, to these liberal institutions and even paying their way uh, because it's predictable what the results are going to be. But you have to go way back to the early 1900s um, when the General Education Board, which was largely funded by the Rockefeller Foundations, uh, began having some influence in the area of curriculum through the, the teachers' unions and then eventually uh, the NEA uh, with some of the same sources uh, behind them um, so you've had globalist money, one world money, socialist money behind these institutions going way, way back. But it took a while uh, for them to gain the kind of influence and control that they sought. And really, after World War II, it began taking hold in a, in a, in a major way. And by the 60s, uh, we saw the results of it. And um, um, ever since, uh, you've had more and more college professors getting in uh, holding a much more liberal one-world view, and then once they're in and get tenured, it, it's difficult to get rid of them. Uh, but it, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, the first thing they did, the globalists, uh, through the Rockefeller Foundation and, and Ford Foundation and some of these other one-world-leaning uh, foundations, was they gained control of the teachers' colleges, the teacher universities, the, like uh, Columbia, for example, and, and, and some of those uh, big-name uh, Eastern schools, Yale, Harvard, as well as others. And, and if you looked at how many universities today, how many of their presidents came from those institutions, it, it would blow your mind. I did the research on this 30 years ago, and it was already a huge percentage, and I'm sure it would be even higher now. And so they, they leveraged their, their power and influence and influence very well. And so once you have presidents of universities all across the country uh, who have bought into the globalist mindset because of the universities that they went to, which at a time mainly on the East Coast, 
share their worldview. And, and so now I, I think it's irreversible. I, I think the best thing parents can do is just not send their kids to those colleges, but it's even impacting many of the Christian universities now. And so you can't just, as a Christian, uh, assume if you send your kid to a certain college that, that you know, calls themselves uh, Christian, uh, that, that they're going to be uh, conservative and, and support the values that you've taught your kids at home. You really have to do your homework and research on that. Uh, we went through that uh, with, with four of our kids, and uh, we were surprised by some of the things we learned about some of the so-called Christian institutions. They've been heavily penetrated as well. We've been speaking with Gary Kaw, who's the author of numerous books, Bringing a Biblical Perspective to World Government. World Events. World, world Events, I'm <laughs> and sorry. And World Government, too, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, tell us something about your newsletter. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's actually a research news journal. It's about 20 pages. Every four months we put this out. We've got some of the top researchers in the world that write articles for us, and I typically write the, uh, the lead article. And we do this because it's really the only way we can stay in touch with all the people interested in this subject matter. Because if I took the time to write another book by time, it, it, it would be finished, it'd be out of date. Things are just moving too quickly now. And uh, so we try to go behind the scenes through the contacts that the Lord has blessed us with around the world that we've gained over the last 30 years of doing this and bring to you uh, news and information that you're, you're just not going to get through the mass media. And, and so we do our best with God's help to stay on top of this and uh, to help Christians to be discerning in these uh, very deceptive times. And how can people find out about your newsletter? Yeah, you, you can go uh, to our website, GaryCod.org. You can subscribe there, and you can also get my two books there, and Roots of Global Occupation and The New World Religion. Both of those books are full of documents that we've reproduced in them to prove that we're telling the truth, that we're not just pulling this information out of thin air. And those books help lay a biblical foundation to understand the current events, the, the major developments going on in our world right now. And then our our quarterly publication, Hope for the World Update, is, is what keeps people up to date on this. So we really encourage people to subscribe. In doing so, you, you help us to exist and to continue to do what we do. And we really appreciate your help. And once you have it, make copies, get it out to people. We just want to get this message out as quickly as possible uh, because there's so much at stake. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. And, I, would, and, I would encourage every one of our listeners to go to the website and to subscribe to, to Gary's uh, a journal and also read his books. And his website again is garykaw.org and that's G A R Y K A H.org.